Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Sustainable Investing Podcast at Water Tower Research. My name is Sean Severson, your host. Um, today, we have with us uh, Limbach, ticker LMB, and uh, we have uh, the CEO presenting today uh, with us, and we're having a conversation with him, uh, Mr. Uh, Michael McCann, President and CEO. We also have Graham Madison, uh, who's our Senior Research Analyst at uh, Water Tower Research, and I'm going to have these two uh, started off and have a conversation today and and obviously looking for some uh, some insights on the company. And I'm going to turn it over to you, Graham, and we can go ahead and get started. All right. Great. Well, thank you. Um, so for listeners, uh, Limbaugh is a leading integrated building solutions firm with a long history. And Mike, welcome. You recently took the helm of Limbaugh a few years ago and have led the company on what's been an impressive last few years in terms of financial performance and stock um uh, where and where it's going. Can you give us, tell us a little bit where Limba is today and where you can plan on taking the company. Sure. You know, our our focus right now, and, and I'll get into a little bit of the history as well, too, is really being a building solution systems uh, firm. And if you look back a little bit from our history, uh, we went public in 2016. Our focus was really focused on having doing large construction and having traditional service. So in the last few years, we've really pivoted the company to be focused on uh, all of our sales marketing efforts on building owners, um, working through our two different segments and really being super focused on existing buildings, improving environments and being that solutions provider and partner to owners. Um, we've had elements of that in the past, but I think it's more of that discipline and focus right now is what's really important to us. Great. And then over recently, you've been shifting more towards an owner direct model away from the uh, the sort of larger lumpy jobs. Can you talk to us a little bit about that and why you're targeting that area? Yeah, so we've we've really, I think, um, over the last few years, we've we've got two segments, obviously, in the company. One is GCR, general contract relationships, as one is owner direct relationships. So we describe a little of those two segments before I get into the shift part of it. But general contract relationships um, we're working directly for general contractor, works for owner. A lot of times the solutions are built in place and there's an element of competitiveness at that side of it. The owner direct segment, owner direct relationships is where we work directly for the owner. Um, and, in, you know, in that segment, it's really our important. We want to most of the time we're really creating the solution as opposed to responding to the solution. So, um Ultimately, embedded there's an embedded difference of a couple couple elements of that as well too. So, from a margin perspective, um, the margins, and I think we've proven this over several quarters. There's a different margin profile from owner direct to GCR. Um, our ability to influence decision maker has been a big differential as well too. Um, and um, you know, at the end of the day, I kind of talked about this before. Our goal is to be a solutions provider, and we're we're, we're talking direct to that customer, able to embed those solutions. So over the course of time, and I think our numbers have kind of demonstrated this is, you know, we've really been shifting the company from that traditional GCR type to owner direct. So it's a combination of a, a number of different elements, but it's all about our ability to provide solutions direct. And um, and that's helping us not only short term, but as long term as well, too. Our goal is to embed ourselves into a group of really key mission critical customers um, where we can be their partner um, as they evolve their business. And obviously we do as well. 
So are you targeting the CapEx or the OpEx or is it a combination of both? I mean, I guess this is different than where like if you're working for a, a GC where you're look, you're just bidding on a, a big project like a stadium or something. Yeah, our our, our goal in our companies is uh, over time has become extremely customer centric. So our goal is that each one of our locations really focuses on their top five building owner customers. And our goal is to really embed ourselves. And it's really a combination of the OpEx and CapEx. OpEx, we want to have somebody not only feel resources, but management resources on the ground in the facility every day, picking up repair work, small work, maintenance work. We want to build that relationship over a period of time and get to the point where at that point we're starting to access their CapEx budget. Um, and then we bring in additional resources. Our ultimate goal is to build teams around these accounts where we can access OpEx and CapEx and we can we can go from responding to small stuff to being their their long-term planner and provider of all the uh, MEP solutions that happen within the building. So it's a really a built-up ramp-up of a relationship with a customer. And um, and we want to be able to have ability to access both OpEx and CapEx. And I think one of the things, too, um, that's important for the customer and for us over a period of time, some customers are in the OpEx spend mode. Then there are repair mode and some of them are in the CapEx mode where they want to make switch outs. So um, it enables us to have a lot of diversity even within those customers to balance between the two of those. Um, so th there's there's short-term and long-term advantages to that. But it, at the end of the day, we want to be that partner. We're able to access each one of those buckets. You mentioned mission critical in terms of the area where you want to focus on. Can you expand a bit on that and what you mean by that? Sure. And um, we, we have our definition of mission critical. And the simplest definition that you can give is um, if a system goes down on a weekend, they this these type of customers cannot wait a couple days for it to happen. They need to be in there instantly making the repair because um, the systems within their building are absolutely critical to what they do and provide. So it could be healthcare, it could be data centers, it could be life science. So the mission critical aspect of it is relative to how important the environment is within those particular buildings. Um, obviously, the mission critical aspect of it has led us to really focus on our six key vertical markets, healthcare, life science, data centers, higher ed, entertainment, uh, and basically light industrial manufacturing. So those type of vertical markets tend to lend itself to mission critical environments. And I would tell you, with, even within those six vertical markets, um, there's a little nuance between those in those vertical markets as well, too. So one is higher ed, for example. Higher ed, there could be a mix of mission critical buildings and not as mission critical buildings in a campus. So um, even within those vertical markets, we even get very particular about what type of buildings that we're working on. So and I think the key thing that we really tell our teams is when you get a customer and their their systems are mission critical, they're going to treat things differently. They're going to make repairs differently. They're going to make replacements differently. They can't afford for this stuff to go down. So it's the constant care and partnership that helps us. But at the same time, there's an ability to have a lot more durable demand um, than somebody who's, you know, a vertical market or an owner that isn't quite as mission critical. It's that constant demand and flow is what we really like. In terms of being embedded in the projects, what are the customers' other options um, for maintenance or how they would handle this? Sure. Um, usually, and I would say this is 99% of the time, they have some provider that's so a lot of times, and I would tell you the phase that we're in right now is we have a lot of our customers. We've done some amount of work. There's 
we're we're always looking to potentially look for new clients, but a lot of times th at this point, we really have a ton of new, we have the majority of the clients that we need. Now it's a matter of pulling that list down. Um, and I mentioned that because um, even from a competition perspective, our goal right now, and I think one of the reasons why our strategy, I think is, is, is important right now, even to our customers is there's so much work going on in the marketplace right now. Um, our customers are asking for the same teams to be there, to be embedded within those facilities. So, you know, if we're, if we have a healthcare customer, it's in one of the uh, markets that we're in, we're in right now, they may have a local contractor that's doing a part of the business. They may have an OEM, a train Johnson or Siemens. They all have certain providers and we may have a small market share out of that. But the way that we've talked to them, the way that customers really want it, want us to provide for them is they want more dedicated resources. And at that point, when we prove trust, we can pick up greater market share within that. So we're really competing against, um, and we're competing against with OEMs, I think more now than ever. Um, we're competing with for market share within those facilities, but the differential from us from those others competition, whether it's a local contractor or an OEM, is our focus and dedication of having those teams there every single day. Can you give an example of who some of the OEMs might be? Um, it's the typical players: Train, Johnson, Siemens. Um, those are probably the main people that we see every day. Um, the big equipment again, providers. Yep, equipment providers, and and again. You know, I look at their strategy, um, very, they're very sophisticated providers, and we like those that level of competition. We would much rather have that over a, a small local contractor. So at least we know it. we have the right playing field when, they, when they're talking about us within the likes of, of uh, Siemens or Train. Um, you know, their strategy is a little bit different. They have proprietary equipment and controls. They're looking to embed those, embed that into the facility and then have, get aftermarket services. Um, we're... We don't have those proprietary systems. We look at it much more from a partnership perspective where we're looking to be their partner and provider and get them whatever, you know, whether it's a control system or equipment provider, um, a, a piece of equipment, we're looking at it from a very holistic perspective. So um, every customer tends, you know, they may have their own likes or dislikes, but we look at it very much from a partnership perspective. Getting the best solution for the customer rather yes. what's best for the salesman. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Um, building owners are, you know, you know, focusing and you know, managing uptime and costs are obviously important, but we're seeing an increasing trend towards sustainability um, and looking at things. Can you talk about how Limbaugh fits in in terms of helping customers meet their sustainability goals? Yep. A lot of times, um, a lot of times it's not a direct conversation. It's an indirect conversation that we'll have with them. A lot of times it comes down from an energy spend perspective. Um, I would say that's a, a conversation that comes up continually with customers. Um, and, and you look at it, um, it all depends on where they're at from where they're at in their cycle, what's important to that customer. It, and again, we look at it like um, we have this group of customers. We're trying to make sure that we understand what's important to them, depending on where they're at from a life cycle perspective. So and I'm just going to use energy as a, as a one side of this to look at. Um you know, everybody's looking to figure out, you know, they know costs are rising. Inflation is obviously affected. They're trying to figure out, they're trying to balance short-term and long-term costs from an energy perspective. So our goal is to provide them the information to make sure that they can make the decisions and get the correct ROI analysis that they take upstream to their, you know, their C-suite. So, um, 
there's lots of different things that have come out. Like every major city has some sort of objective. Um, you know, there's BEPS, uh, Building Energy Performance Standards, which is, comes out of uh, um, DC. There's their carbon footprint type objectives that happen in each individual market. Those are really good things for us because it sparks up the conversation to do things differently they've done in the past. Um, at the same time, there's not a one size fits all type conversation that happens. We, at the end of the day, I look at it like we're very early in our strategy. Um, just the mention and the discussion of that, of bringing Limbach into that discussion with them is a step one that we're looking for right now. Just for them asking the help is a check mark, check bar marks um, to me of we're making the right progress with the customer. So I, I view this as from a sustainability standpoint, we're looking just to be in the mix of that conversation. But I think over time, there's a lot of different levers that we can pull that's going to really help the customer and provide revenue opportunities. And ultimately, I mean, these companies all have to get to these goals that they set out there one way or the other. And a lot of the low hanging fruit is in energy efficiency. Yes. Yeah. Yep. And, and I think, um, you know, it's interesting where customers are at, you know, um, you know, what are they, it's, if it's a manufacturer, what's their objective, it's, it's healthcare, you know, each one of our vertical markets kind of is in a different cycle at this point. Um, so I, I think the other thing too, I'll add on this discussion too, is even if we look at it too, even if we're doing a really small project, we still want to give them some, some data. Like if you're switching from one piece of equipment to another piece of equipment, can we give them some quick analysis that they can take upstream? All those little bits and pieces help them. You mentioned data centers earlier, um, which I see is going to be a big growth area just in the economy, both in terms because AI is amazing. But what people are overlooking is how much data, how many data centers you need, and then the power uh, demand and the computing capacity there. But um, beyond that, I mean, where did uh, where does Limbaugh fit into that world? And can you talk about how you play there? Sure. So it's an interesting vertical for us, and I would I, the. Uh, it's And I would tell you, this is much more of a long play for us. So there's a lot of data centers that are being built, and typically those are new construction and they're newer buildings. So we're not looking to build and have a $200 million contract on a data center. So, um, But the advantage to us is a lot of these data centers are going to get old, and they get old quick. And the reason they get old quick is they run the equipment 24-7, completely out, and the life cycle of a piece of equipment could be a third of a typical of a, of, a, of a different type of building. so And the heat in there is huge. You know, it, it just beats up the equipment. It beats up the system. So um, our real focus right now is being that provider um, and being there if it's year five or six when things start to break down at that point. So we're not looking for the most part to be building those gigantic data centers. A lot of times they're, but um, at the same time, there's huge opportunity afterwards to be there from a retroprint retrofit, repair, maintenance perspective. Um, so I think in the, I think there's big opportunity in the future for us. Um, there's also, you know, there's the major tech players for data centers, but there's also data centers where, you know, they may have 10 or 15 companies that are buying space within a data center. Those are good opportunities for us as well, too. So um, it's not going away. There's a lot of opportunity, um, but we always are disciplined to what we're trying to do at the same time. If there's an opportunity to build something gigantic and it's not in a vertical market, it's not in a location that we're at, it's bigger than we want to go to. It takes us away from our main strategy. We're very, we're very disciplined to make sure that we say no. Um, 
So it, it's more about finding our space in this vertical more than anything. And I think the opportunity is going to grow over time. Looking at your financial results, it was pretty impressive uh, growth in terms of uh, gross margins and EBITDA margins. Um, is there more room for that? How do you see those playing out in terms of your target? Where where you've been, because uh, it different phases of where the company's been and where you think you can take it. Yeah, our 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 company and and we've really built this. I think over the last couple of years, it's really about quality over quantity. It's making sure that. Um, and I look at, I always look at this from a margin perspective, from a customer perspective, you know, it's about providing real value with customers. Um, and that value combined with what offerings we have, what partnership we have driving um, our ability to get, to get better margins. It's not a matter of just charging. It's a matter of providing value and that value drives a higher margin. I think one of the things that you've seen in the past, obviously, is there's been a big shift between our GCR in our owner direct margins. So there's a number of different reasons for that. One is um, there, there's there's nobody in between, you know, in a general contractor relationship, they're still working for same, some of the same owners, but there's a general contractor. It's the built-in, it's the ability to create solutions versus responding them from an estimating perspective. So I look at it just shifting from, continuing to shift from our mix towards a higher owner direct mix is obviously gonna drive higher margins. And that's really the first piece of our strategy. The second piece is obviously how can we provide value? So we'll shift as we shift margin, you'll have a natural pickup. The second side of it is um, even we, we shifted and there's still opportunity beyond that because what type of value can we provide customers? Is it service offerings? Is it our ability to embed ourselves? Is it products and offerings? There's a big opportunity for that as well too, to drive beyond our, our margins. Um, and so it's really two different levers. It's the mix shift and our ability to expand and evolve our offerings, which I think will allow us to expand the opportunity. You've done a few acquisitions recently. Can you talk about what you look for in an acquisition and or, and also what you want to avoid in an acquisition? Sure. So, I mean, we've we've done three acquisitions in the last few years, so a couple of years. So, and we've um, we've learned a lot about them. But a couple of things that have not changed is we are looking for a good cultural fit we're looking for um, solid leadership and management, and we're looking for them to obviously stay through this transition. So cultural fit is extremely important. Um, you know, we're not the type of company that's just going to buy, do a bunch of roll-ups and buy a bunch of companies. And our goal is to really take one plus one and equal four or five. And in order to do that, it takes us a long time. And we want to make sure it's a mutually beneficial relationship between the buyer and us. And it takes time for us to really vet these opportunities because at the end of the day, our number one is cultural fit. Um, so you're not buying backlog. We're not buying backlog. We're buying, and, and the, the second part of it is, is what are we really buying? We're buying, we're looking at what type of building owner relationships do they have? Are the building owner relationships solid? Are they in mission critical buildings? So a, a, an acquisition may have a bunch of owner direct relationships, um, but if they're in higher ed, that's, you know, if they're in K through 12 and they're not in healthcare, well, we distinguish that differently. So we're looking at like what customers they have and what opportunity they have as well, too. We're looking at what type of margins they drive. At the end of the day, it really comes down to what we've learned over the last, you know, six, seven years is, um, and through our evolution, our cycle is we have a lot of lessons learned that we have, you know, and we've really, our goal is to apply those both internally, but imply those from a apply those to acquisitions that we have. So we want to take their culture, their relationships, their their 
Um, they're building owner customers. Combine that with our um, the lessons we learned from discipline, focus on customers, data, internal data. Put the two of those together and make sure that um, it's a, again, it's a mutually beneficial relationship for both of us. And um, it, a lot of people ask me questions about geographic footprint. Um, you know, that's one of the other things too, obviously, that we look at. I would tell you that the other things that I talked about are more important than geographic footprint. But one of the benefits of doing acquisitions, they're able to expand our geography. So we really have two different type of acquisitions that we're looking at. One is, um, one is expansion to a, a location that we're at, not at already. Um, and we recently did that in November with Industrial Air. We, it was an entree into the North Carolina market. We did that previously before with Jake Marshall and Acme into the Chattanooga market. So that's one part of it. The other type of deal that we're looking at could be tuck-ins to an existing location. An example of that we did in Chattanooga. So we did the Jake Marshall deal a couple of years ago. And in July of, two, July of 23, we were able to tuck in a very owner-centric uh, business to that Jake Marshall. So um, it's a matter of really making sure that we find the right geography, but at the same time, even within our existing geographies, find opportunities that we can tuck in, tuck in business as well too. So, and I would tell you at the end of the day, all that really leads to us, you know, we're pretty picky about what we look at. Um, we're not just looking to roll a bunch of companies up. We really have to take our time, make sure that it's going to work and make sure that it's not just a standalone business. It's really about how we're going to embed, embed that business into the overall company. So, um, it all really fits. I think the common message here is we're disciplined. We take our time. We're very strategic about what we're doing. And we really think as much as we can before we're going to do those deals. And that that leads to, obviously, from a timing perspective, all those factors lead into when the when the right deal approaches. It's been, been playing through in your numbers and also the stock price. So it's good to see. Uh, wrapping it up as we come to the end of our time. What do you think investors are missing or should be paying attention to as you um, about the Limbaugh story right now? I mean, th th there's uh, there's a couple things that I think we'll get a lot of continual questions. Is one is always the top line growth. Why is the top line growing? And um, and that's been very intentional because we're shifting. So I always refer people back to look at the owner direct revenue growth. Don't just look at the top line growth because if you if you if you segment that out, you're going to see a big differential from that perspective as well too. Um, so that's number one. Obviously, as we shift to more owner direct, um, th there's going to be a lot more opportunity from an organic perspective. But during this shift, I think people just go quickly to the top line. And sometimes that may turn people off. The second part of it is our model is based on cash generation. Um, and I think there's been a big, if you look back, there's been a big differential about obviously where we were before three or four years ago and where, where we are now from a cash generation perspective. Um, so it's, you know, we always work off basic business principles. We want that organic business to produce cash. And then we want to carefully allocate that cash um, based upon um, our strategy. And our capital allocation strategy is really built upon, um, right now, the majority of that is from an acquisition perspective. We're always looking at things from our, with our banking or um, are those sort of things out there. But I think the main generation, obviously, is is um, the acquisition. So, um I think those are probably the two biggest components that I look at is um, people always look to the top line. Um, and I would just refocus on what we're doing with the owner direct segment because there's growth and better with that. And the second piece of it is our, our ability. We want to make sure our base business is producing cash and then we can allocate that cash properly and carefully through the deals that we make. 
Um, so our story is really, you know, there's there's tremendous momentum in the market, but our story is real about that quality based. Um, and I, the other, maybe the third thing I would end it with is, you know, it's a we are a long term strategy. There's plenty of abilities for us to grow gigantic backlogs over a period of time, but we're basically setting all the foundations. Like you think about it from a building perspective, we're growing that we're not we don't have a two inch foundation in the ground. We're growing this. We've got footers in the ground. We're three feet in the ground with a foundation. And we want to make sure this is not just a short-term deal, but this is long-term relationships where we can have durable demand with customers and we can we can weather things that are outside of our control. The one thing we can control is making sure that we're we're building that foundation. So I really think it's the three things. It's just from a top-line growth. It is from a um it's from how we're looking at it from a long-term perspective. And obviously from a cash generation capital allocation perspective, we're very careful and disciplined from that perspective as well, too. Great. Well, thank you so much for making the time to join us today. Uh, with that, I'll turn it back to our host, Sean. Great. Thanks, Overview, Mike. Really appreciate it today. Hope everybody found that useful. Um, as a reminder, you can uh, you can tune into our podcast. drops every Thursday for the WTR Sustainable Investing Podcast. And as a reminder, the views expressed in this podcast may not necessarily reflect the views of Water Tower Research LLC and are provided for informational purposes only. This podcast may not be distributed or reproduced without the written consent of Water Tower Research and should not be considered research, uh, should be not be considered research nor a recommendation. WTR is an investor relations firm, not a licensed broker, broker dealer, market maker, investment bank, underwriter, or investment advisor. Additional disclaimers can be found at uh, www.watertowerresearch.com. And I'd also encourage you to take a look at our website, uh, watertowerresearch.com, for additional information on, uh, on our coverage across sustainability. And with that, I'm going to end it today. Again, thank you, gentlemen, for your time. And uh, it was very, very useful today. Very good overview. Thank you. Thank you.